The Human Podcast features weekly service audio from the Unitarian Universalist Metro Atlanta North Congregation of Roswell, Georgia. Please visit us at human.org. I'm Michelle Negrani, and I'm a member of this congregation. And together with Ria Mongia, did I say it right? I am your worship associate this morning. Our minister, Reverend Dave Dunn, is on his summer break, and we look forward to bringing you services that feature lay speakers for the next eight weeks. So I am really delighted that Spencer is going to be giving this sermon today. Um, Spencer is one of the people in the world that I really love. And in thinking about why that is, um, as succinctly as I can, I'd say that he's a person with whom I am completely comfortable discussing bad decisions I've made, mistakes I've made, because He's always there with me in the conversation. Not in that sort of, you know, like, well, let me tell you how it is for me kind of way, but in that I am with you kind of way. So um, 
I know that when he talks about returning to oneness, it isn't just a thought, but it's how he lives his life. I am looking forward particularly to hearing him talk about returning to oneness because that's not where I've been for the last six years. I believe that I have a lower self and a higher self, and my lower self has definitely been in the driver's seat for the last six years. I have been separate. I live in categories. I'm not a black indigenous person of color. I'm separate. I try to be anti-racist, so I'm separate from other white people who I think are not trying to be anti-racist. I'm cisgendered, I'm a woman, I'm older. I'm in those categories, those separate categories, and that's where I've been for six years, in those separate categories. And I've been so distressed about what's happening in the world that I run around in my head screaming, we've got to do something. And I've been in doingness. So even though I've accomplished very little, I've also not been comfortable with just being. So it's been six years. And I'm really looking forward to you turning that around for me, Spencer. <laughs> uh, no pressure. You have uh, 15 minutes. Thank you, Shelly. Thank you, everyone. Uh, Shelly and I, man, that almost brought tears to my eyes before I would even get up here to speak. Uh, Shelly and I joke a lot. and. Um, we um, we're very uh, we laugh at ourselves, we're very candid, and uh, so Shelley, I I don't consider myself to be a, uh, a, a traditional black preacher, but I come from that tradition, so I'm going to try to be brief. <laughs> I'm going to try to be be real brief <laughs> today, uh, but I'm grateful to Shelley um, for you asking me to come, and I'm grateful to this family, to the human family, for trusting Shelley enough. Uh, to accept me here today. And I'm grateful to Erica, um, my partner Erica, for always holding the space for me to grow the way I'm growing in, in love. And so um, let me, uh, my, well, let me say this first. My prayer today is that God just makes me an instrument for, um, so that my spirit speaks to your spirit. Um, and that you leave here a little bit higher than you were when you came in. Uh, my intention is for the uh, message to be unifying inspirational and challenging uh, at the same time. And so uh, I do feel that in a sense I'm preaching to the choir because I do feel that we're all moving in a certain direction wherever we are on that journey. Um, so that is, that is my prayer. Uh, let me read a couple of quotes because I, have a, I do have a couple of quotes. I love a good quote, um, but I have a couple that I think explain who I am and I think it explains who a lot of us in here are. I think it undergirds this message as well. Uh, the first is from a, um, a Persian poet, Hafez, some say Hafiz. Uh, says, I have learned so much from God that I can no longer call myself a Christian, a Hindu, a Muslim, a Buddhist, a Jew. You can go on and on and on and on. And no longer separate myself by those things. And the second quote is by a uh, 
one of the greatest thinkers, uh, religious thinkers um, I know, um, uh, of course there's a few, but uh, by Krishnamurti says, when you call yourself an Indian or Muslim or Christian or European or anything else, you're being violent. Do you see why, why it is violent? Because you are separating yourself from the rest of mankind. When you separate yourself by belief, by nationality, by tradition, it breeds violence. And I think that's very significant. Um, and uh, another, one more quote that, uh, that I love by Ada Palmer, says it doesn't take a declaration or an invasion to start a war. All it takes is a us and a them and a spark. That's all it takes, a us, a them, and a spark. So I wanted to set that stage as we, as we, as we talk today um, because we do live in some, um, we are in some very uh, trying times. Um, uh, these are times of trial, times of tribulation, and times of transition as well. Uh, we know that there are forces that are attempting to turn back the hands of time. Uh, when you talk about a woman's agency over her own body, when you talk about voting rights, uh, some are okay with having the U.S. kind of mirror war zone. Some are okay with that. And we see that oftentimes it is for the sake of uh, power and control. There are some who would say in, in religious circles that the world is coming to an end. Uh, some would say like Chicken Little, the sky is falling. It, that, that everything is just, is just, is just um, we're in the end times and that, that's it. But I believe that you and I, nor this planet, we can't afford to lose hope and we can't afford to dwell on that type of fatalism. Um, I believe that all of us in here wouldn't be here uh, if we believed that our safety was found in retreating to uh, our own individual corners of our tribes. I think everyone in here in this room believes in transformation desires transformation, and is in some way actively pursuing it, wherever you are on that journey. And as my friend Dia Khan often says, hope is resistance. Hope is resistance. But we can't just hope for it, we've also got to actively seek peace and pursue it. And so, as I said in, the, in my, when I gave this title, A Journey to Oneness, there's three steps that I also uh, believe, uh, three main steps anyway, that are involved in that journey, acknowledging, healing, and returning. Acknowledging, healing, and returning. Now, of course, there's different forms of acknowledgement. I think um, um, it is helpful for, for men, right, to acknowledge their pain and, and, and the process of, of healing. Uh, yesterday was the 14th anniversary of my mom's passing. And when I got up, um, it was just in a, a space in, in, in my life anyway. And then I got up and I just felt it really. I really just missed her and I, and I felt it. But it's important for me to acknowledge that pain and be in that space. Because so often for me, I have pushed that feeling down and not wanted to express it or wanting to man up or wanting to act like it's not there, like I'm okay. And that can do damage when you suppress that. So acknowledging that and being in that space and allowing myself to say to Erica, when she says, hey, are you okay? No, I'm not okay. This is how I'm, this is how I'm feeling. That's, that's an important acknowledgement for all of us to make, but particularly men who are, are so often indoctrinated and pushing our feelings and emotions down. But for the purposes of today, I wanna to talk about a, a collective acknowledgement 
that can lead to the healing of the planet. Many of us who embrace higher consciousness uh, or the higher consciousness movement and consider ourselves to be progressive uh, have really mastered the acknowledgement step. We have, we're good at mastering that step. In fact, I know that many of us sometimes can live in the acknowledgement phase, particularly as an intellectual pursuit. If you ask Erica, I have, I have so many books downstairs and I'm talking to myself as I give this message. I've got books, I've got stuff I've studied, I've got stuff to raise my awareness. Uh, some would say I'm an academic and an intellectual, um, but, but it can't remain solely as an intellectual uh, pursuit. Eric and I, individually, before we met years ago in Michigan, we both attended, um, well, what was then Church of Today. Uh, it was a unity church in Warren, Michigan became Renaissance Unity, and Marianne Williamson, Marianne Williamson was there when I was uh, attending Church of Today, and she came back to speak when Erica was there as well. But I never forgot one thing that Marianne Williamson said, and she challenged, um, she challenged the audience. And the question that she presented to us, and I present to myself all the time, and I invite you to do the same, do we think our way into a new way of acting or do we act our way into a new way of thinking? And I think that is a significant question. Do we think our way into a new way of acting or do we act our way into a new way of thinking and, and I would add a new way of being? And I love the great thinkers throughout time. Um, Erica would tell you, many people tell I am a, di a deep thinker, but it's action, it is really action that has propelled my journey to move forward because I know that one can be paralyzed with thinking. We can be paralyzed with acknowledging and paralyzed with thinking, and we can be in our groups and have think uh, tanks together and think groups together, but oftentimes uh, it can be paralyzing, and we can run the risk of becoming, as the author Frederick Joseph puts it, passive allies instead of active accomplices. He says passive allies instead of active accomplices. So we can't stay at the step of just acknowledging. My feeling, uh, family, is that we don't spend enough time in the healing phase, in the healing uh, component. Because the healing component requires brutal honesty. It requires vulnerability. It requires for all of us an admission of our blind spots and some of the conversations that Shelley and I have had that, that have brought us closer together. It is the cave that Joseph Campbell speaks of when he says, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. The cave you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. So it is a walking into a cave that is sometimes scary. Um, there's sometimes there's nothing to hold on to in that cave. There's nothing that's familiar. But if we don't walk into that cave, we can't uh, embrace the treasure of peace. Um, the treasure of love, everything that we stand for. And, you know, we can certainly talk about um, the perils of, of power in our own uh, government and policymaking. We can do all that. Uh, but we, we, we have to be unafraid to enter the cave to remove our own obstacles uh, to healing, to the oneness with our brothers and sisters who might show up on this planet differently. So while we uh, know that separation 
as we talk about separate, being separate from each other. Um, some would say that's an illusion not to believe in that, to go straight to believing in oneness, that we're not separate from each other. But we also have to address the trauma and pain uh, that that separateness has caused because the trauma and pain of separation is all too real. It is all too real. And, you know, nowadays we live in this call-out culture. And in this call-out culture, I think and I believe, I feel, that we need to be careful to call people in first. And you call people in with love. You call people in with compassion. It doesn't mean you don't speak the truth, but it means you call people in. But the thing is, family, is that we cannot uh, lead where we refuse to go ourselves. And so each of us individually have to go into that cave and remove all the obstacles. You know the quote that talks about not seeking love, but removing all the barriers that, that keep it from coming into our existence, coming into our, our space. Uh, because there's a danger in, in, in not doing the work. There's a, a danger in not doing the work and not doing it together. In the uh, Christian tradition, there's a scripture and paraphrase that talks about the battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, spiritual wickedness, and high places. Whether you consider those high places to be your consciousness, government, your ego, all of those things, that the battle is not against me and you, but, but, it, but it's systems, it's consciousness and thinking that we need to change. And one of the dangers is that if we don't continue to do the work ourselves, the system will continue to benefit from investing in fear and separation. That there, there are those who benefit um, from our resistance of going into that cave and, and the fear and separation created. And I think of all, I think of all type of systems that are operating now. I even think of the prison industrial complex as an example and, 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 and some other places that benefit from this separation, that there are places that are not really interested in getting to the root and healing folk. When I heard uh, the man come up and talk about the shooting, the shootings and, and being mindful and staying mindful of gun violence, uh, the truth is that there, there are some uh, who are not invested in getting to the root. <clears throat> and really healing folks in a way that uh, reduces violence individually and collectively. Because oftentimes the machine profits from manipulating the narratives and policies in a way that when you talk about the uh, criminal legal system, it manipulates narratives and policies in a way that sees more black folks and people of color and the marginalized and those who don't have uh, or lack the means and resources. Uh, it manipulates it in a way where they pay the price and oftentimes that's through incarceration. It's through a punitive accountability that is incarceration. And in the meantime, you and I um, cannot keep ourselves safe by maintaining an arm's distance from all we've been taught to fear. We cannot keep ourselves safe by maintaining an arm's distance from all that we've been taught to fear. Because here's, here's the thing, that no matter how far we go to insulate ourselves from harm, Harm will also find us if our fear attracts it, no matter how far we go. And what we know, what we've seen, what we're seeing now, is that no one is safe when a fear consciousness devolves into hate. No one is safe. So we have to do the work. We have to do that deep work. 
And I know that many of us, including ourselves, we do great acts of service. But I wouldn't that we just solely do those things and soothe our conscience by periodically helping those that we deem as less, as less fortunate on a holiday going to the soup kitchen or maybe passing out dinners on Thanksgiving or Christmas. And don't get me wrong, those things are necessary and they're a great way to serve. And they also inspire love in the person that you're serving. But we also have to change the system. And we have to be careful that our serving in that sense doesn't continue to maintain the us and them mentality. Because the system might create inequities um, but for those inequities to flourish, on some level, we have bought into them. We have to buy into them in order to do that. And so we have to do the work individually because the truth is all of us, all of us, all of us have been damaged by the system or machine or people investing in fear and damage all of us. Regardless of race, color, creed, ethnicity, all of us have been damaged. That is the truth. And I want to uh, read a quote by Lilla, Lilla Watson, who was um, an Aboriginal activist. And she says, if you have come to help me, you're wasting your time. If you have come to help me, you're wasting your time. But if you have come because your liberation is tied up with mine, then let us work together. If you have come because your liberation is tied up with mine, then let us work together. Uh, so Shelly and my friends, I, I, I came here today uh, not just because Shelly asked me to come. I would do anything and always say yes to Shelly, but it wasn't just that. I didn't come here just as a black preacher wanting to address a predominantly white congregation. I didn't. I didn't come here to help wake up those who I think might be sleeping. I didn't. I came here because my liberation is tied up with yours. That's why I came here today. And yours is tied up with mine. So we have to resist the urge to be deceived by appearances, to be distracted by the form of things, or conform to the ways of this external world. We have to resist that urge. And if we can see the oneness of this mission right now, we, you and I can create a critical mass together. We can continue to plant seeds in rich soil that our children, our grandchildren, and their children, where they can live in a world where this idea of oneness becomes flesh for all. Amen? I say, so it is. Thank you. Our, um, every month we have a community partner with whom we share our offering in, a 50, in what we call our 50-50 offering plate. During July, um, the, our 50-50 partner is Broncos Benevolent Foundation. In 2006, a baby was born in Atlanta with some serious congenital heart problems. His name is Bronco Reese. Bronco received a just-in-time heart transplant in 2015, but the good news soon turned bad when he was diagnosed with post-transplant proliferative disease. It's a form of lymphoma 
that is a result of the anti-rejection medications he takes daily to maintain his new heart. Bronco recovered and is now a thriving 22-year-old young man, <clears throat> but he and his mom and dad spent a lot of time at Children's Health Care of Atlanta in the transplant hall. <clears throat> what they what they saw were a lot of parents and families coming from all over the South to live in the waiting areas while worrying about and caring for their critically ill children. Many of these families are without adequate funds for hotel rooms, Airbnbs, etc., and eating out for every meal can be quite prohibitive, even if it's just in the hospital cafeteria. So Bronco decided he wanted to fund a pantry for the families so they can have access to juice, soft drinks, granola bars, fresh fruit, and yogurt, and even unhealthy stuff like Snicker bars and chips. They also provide hygiene products for the families. So this month, Human's 50-50 recipient is Bronco's Benevolent Foundation and will go directly to provide snacks and other necessary items for the anxious families living at the Transplant Hall at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. extinguish the flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we carry in our hearts until we meet again. I want to um, close out using the, um, in the unity tradition, the prayer of protection. So if you can just repeat after me, and then uh, we'll close out. Um, yeah, and then meet each other and, uh, and go on our way. The light of God surrounds us. 
The love of God enfolds us. The power of God protects us. And the presence of God watches over us. Wherever we are, wherever we are, God is, and all is well. Amen. Unitarian Universalist Metro Atlanta North Congregation of Roswell, Georgia, thanks you for listening to the Human Podcast. Background music, courtesy of Tim Moore from Pixabay. <laughs>